Hey, coconuts, I'm sure there are some companies where you look at, they'll be like, mm, yeah, not bad. This company quite good. Financials look fine. Everything looks pretty okay. Yeah, let's just get it, right? So I'm definitely sure that there's a good mix of uh, early investor ignorance and also seasoned investors' clarity of what they're looking for, right? So there will always be some of these companies that you are very clear that you want this. But there will be this other big bunch of companies out there that you'll be like, hmm, I'm not sure if I want this. I can observe and take a look. There are some jarring problems. Uh, maybe when they solve it, I will be able to come in. And today I'm going to share with you three companies that I've been observing, some for a lot longer, you know, one or two for a lot shorter. And I'm slowly changing my thought, definitely aligned with the recent crash because it's cheaper, ma, cheaper. Good time to take a look at some of these things. So welcome back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, recently there's been a lot of stock content back to back, of course, because hey, it's cheaper now, so my eyes are open. It's like, hey, interesting, uh, some of these things I can consider. Uh, but I want to say, as with any other stock episode, it is for education and entertainment purposes only, should not be construed as recommendation or solicitation of investments and uh, blah, 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 blah. Right? So it is in your own risk. I'm not here to give you any stock tips or stock advice. I just want to talk about some of these companies that are in my purview. And to be fair, some of these companies, you may know them already. They are not exactly um, small-time company, right? So they are hyped-up companies for the longest period of time, which is why I hate hyped-up companies because there's a general tendency for all these hyped-up companies to be very expensive because they're hyped. Right? So a lot of people looking at it, they're very hyped, so valuations are very high. And you'll be like, wow, you sure these companies can perform at this kind of price point? It's a little bit questionable. But, but, you know, as with a lot of other hype companies, when the market come down, they tend to come down even crazier. So, oh, great! Which is why I think there's an opening for some of these companies for us to take a look. Of course, if you have any companies that you're looking at, hey, let us know. Come to the Telegram group and, you know, we can kind of expand this discussion as we go along. To be fair, the companies that I'm looking at today are generally well suited in the growth space, right? as with what we talked about last week. Uh, as with any growth companies, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a dominant player with high margins and can create consistent cash flow. In fact, growing cash flow will be great to continue to acquire so that they can extend their growth journey for as long as possible. So I will also assume that you've already caught last week's episode. Don't just come in for stock tips, huh? Okay, so <laughs> go ahead and check out last week's episode so that uh, I don't need to reiterate what I've discussed last week. But for today, we're going to keep it short and go straight into the companies. And I'm going to share with you why I hated them when I first saw it and also why am I getting increasingly interested in them as we move along. So the first company, the first company got a lot of hate when they were going for listing and that is Grab. 
So broadly speaking, I think Grab had two big issues at a point in time of listing. Number one of definitely was the valuation for $40 billion. Um, it looked to me as it's quite a clear exit for the private investors. Right? Private investors want to exit, they want to make their money. So $40 billion, we sell the company at that valuation. Okay, so be it. So that's that. The other one, of course, is the competitors, right? So um, its predecessors like Uber, Lyft, they all look like they're financially still struggling. They have not figured out um, proper financial model that looks sexy and interesting and has a big flywheel, can have big margins, can, you know, keep churning cash, blah, blah, blah. So, it doesn't help that the people that are listed before you haven't solved it and they look like they're struggling and right smack in the pandemic, it's affecting their core business on mobility and at the same time, you are trying to go for a big listing at $40 billion. But recently, there's been a seller, of course, across the board and Grab wasn't spared, right? So as with any companies um, that are not cash flow positive, a lot of them are being sold very massively. So Grab just happens to be one of them. Right? So it's not a unique case of Grab being very, very chalat, right? So a lot of the companies that are in a similar financial situation as Grab has came down and Grab is currently at about $18 billion trading. So this is definitely one big thing, right? $18 billion to buy the Southeast Asian super app that is processing gross merchant value at $4 billion per quarter, at least in the recent quarter. It sounds okay, right? So that means if you buy extension the whole year, uh, gross merchant value, let's say about $16 billion. Uh, usually there's some fluctuation, but it's in the ballpark. So, hey, that's quite an okay price to buy this company. That is one thing. Of course, gross merchant value is the total amount of goods and services being transacted on the platform. It's not the revenue that the platform is making. We must be clear. So it would be better if we can continue to discount. right? But at least it is in a situation that I am like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. Uh, something to look at. And of course, I think we can agree that you know they are a dominant player in this space. right? In fact, they're probably quite a monopoly already. Of course, uh, nobody wants to admit that they're a monopoly. Huh? But like I said, oh, what, what are we looking for when trying to buy a growth company? We're trying to buy dominant players, right? They're big enough to be dominant. They can flex and do a lot of interesting things. So Grab is a dominant player, no doubt about that. But at the same time, I think during this whole pandemic period, you see them execute a whole new business function like that, like boom. Oh, nobody wants to travel, huh? Pandemic, everybody stuck home. Okay, we do deliveries. And you see that delivery business grow, right? More than 50%, 60-70%. It's pretty crazy, pretty wild. Right? Of course, some will say, oh, eventually this business will fade out. Yeah, I think the business will, will fade out when people start to move out again. You know, we'll do more things out there. Then delivery will kind of taper off. But hey, usually what happens with a lot of these uh, companies, right? Or at least a lot of these businesses is there will be a core following that will continue down with you on this service, right? So we shall see how how sticky are their delivery customers. I do think it's uh, going to be a relatively sticky one. People have found the joy of just ordering, don't need to change clothes, don't need to, you know, wear underwear and go down and buy food, right? I just order, I just order, right? So <laughs> whether you are the kind of person in my stereotypical example doesn't matter. You just need to recognize that the business looks like it is doing well in the sense of executing a new business model just like that, right? So in a short period of time, they managed to do it and, you know, by extension, they have acquired Jaya Grocer, which one of my favourite grocer while I was staying in Malaysia. So you start to see this kind of possibility because of the ecosystem that they've built. 
So this meets the second point of what I talked about last week, right? Business optionality with a growing TAM. So instead of you just spending $100 a month uh, taking grab rides, now, oh, okay, I also can order groceries, I also can order something else, right? So everything becomes on the app, which is the part that I think is extremely interesting, right? Like, wow, everybody just use one thing on one app. It's very powerful. Uh, to be fair, while I was living in China, right, everything was wasting. Everything was wasting. Everything all wasting. Right, so that's WeChat, by the way. So I was channeling my inner China. Either way, so while I was in China, everything you can use WeChat. So the power of that super app with the chat function, payment function, ordering function, and all of that has already been proven. And I will say quite interesting, right? So the kind of possibility and the kind of uh, optionality in Grab is definitely not one to be discounted. So I would say that a lot of the bear case out there for Grab or Uber or Lyft still stems from this idea that mobility is a hard business to be in. There is no you know, uh, money to be made in this space. But you see all of them, all of them, uh, including Uber also, has moved into this whole like Uber money, la, you know, payments, uh, delivery, uh, so freight. La. So all of them are recognizing that, okay, in this business, right, it's hard. We are dominant player in this space. We have everybody in our hands because, hey, everybody has a grab app in their phones, right? So with push notification, with all these things, a lot of these companies start to recognize that we can do other things. So delivery la, grab app la, mart la, whatever la, not all the things that they're doing. Hey, it's sticking. It's crazy. It's sticking. So yeah, I would say the optionality of this business is wowing me and I want to see that they can continue to execute and grow in other spaces that they say they want to be in. So like merchant solutions or like payment systems. I want to see some of their things and uh, if the prices can keep coming down, I will be very interested to open a position, right? I, I may have already opened a position by the time I talk to you guys. Maybe a small one just to kind of keep observing and see what's happening. I may trickle in as uh, we are all uncertain as to how crazy this market will be. I think there may be even better entry price uh, into some of these companies. So during this holiday, while all of you are having fun, CNY, you know, <laughs> I was having coffee in Turkey and I re-look at um, Grab as a company and I was like, okay, it fits the description as a dominant player. Uh, definitely dominant, no discussion. Um, is They don't have high margin, their business is struggling in, in, that, in that margin space. Uh, but they're trying to enter into higher margin spaces, so that's great. Uh, to continue to grow cash flow, hopefully they can. we can see that cash flow. And um, with that cash flow, they're trying to acquire, right? So they, they, try, they are slowly meeting that golden, you know, growth stock kind of thing. But like it or not, um, they are a dominant player. Everybody has a Grab app and you see them increasing the ARPU, average revenue per user, amongst all their participants, right? All your Grab, yeah, everybody's buying more. So, hey, um, interesting company to look at, especially as prices come down. Definitely not um, an easy write-off uh, like a lot of the bear cases that are floating around. I think it's getting increasingly interesting. So yes, if you want us to talk a little bit more about Grab, tag us. Okay, tag us. Let me know you want us to talk a little bit more about Grab, especially on Geek Out. I'll tell the team on Geek Out to talk about Grab. Oh, you know what's even better? Go and tag the Grab people at Grab Singapore, huh? something, whatever Instagram account they have and get their founder on to talk. Right, Tanjong Motors, right? <laughs> That's the son of Tanjong Motors, which is also an interesting thing because for all of you that don't know Tanjong Motors, they sell cars. They are one of the largest car distributors in Singapore and Grab is helmed by his son. So I will say, unlike uh, the average, you know, peasants like you and I, if you are born into such a family, 
uh, your goal is not to make money. You want dominance. You want glory. You want like legacy. You want to build all these big things. So it's not too bad to be on a ride with someone like that, especially that they have proven out to be able to execute from a small company to get to where they are. Right? So interesting uh, background of the founder, which we will not talk about today by extension. Let us know and tag Grab Singapore. Huh? Which brings me to the second company. Um, it's not a small company by any chance. It is Netflix. And for a long time, I hated it. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it and why I have changed my thoughts. Afterward, from our sponsor. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so I don't think I need to explain to you why it's Netflix. Lah. Oh, you should have a Netflix app. I assume. I assume, okay, I may come from the Mars and what have you, but I think everybody knows why it's Netflix. Lah. And if you don't know Netflix business model, please go and check out the geek out there. They were searching on TFC Stock Geek Out. I think he did a great job trying to explain Netflix and the future of Netflix. But for the longest time, I hated this company because they were racking up a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of debt for content. And like it or not, I felt like, oh, there's no way out. Like, they're just going to keep racking up debt more and more and more and more and more and more debt. Uh, but little did I know that this company will be able to execute globally so well, right? So they have a lot of users all over the world, 222 million subscribers, okay, to be exact. And as they expand on this user subscriber base, the cost per content becomes cheaper and cheaper because it's amortized over a bigger audience. So they've successfully acquired a lot of customers all over the world. About 60% of these customers are not uh, US natives. Huh? So they are all around the world. And that makes it very interesting, right? Because as they keep spending more money, um, they are acquiring more customers and... By extension, the, the acquisition of more customers make it even cheaper for them to produce content, even though they're racking up more debt with content. right? Because now, rather than showing to 5 million people, you're showing to 220 million people. So with that 220 million subscriber and their paid subscribers, uh, these guys pay to stay in the Netflix because not some free service. Okay, so 220 million subscribers. If I am a purchaser for Netflix and I'm buying content uh, compared to buying for MediaCorp, uh, if I buy for MediaCorp, my budget is going to be very small because I'm only catering for like what, 3 million or 2 million. I don't know how many million people they have on me watch. Okay, maybe they got Malaysian audience. I don't know. But assuming only a fraction of the Singapore audience is on me watch, how much money can I spend to buy content for me watch compared to the 220 million paid subscribers on Netflix? Well, as a purchaser, as a producer for Netflix, I can buy blockbuster content that other people cannot. So it continuously become a flywheel, right? As I buy better and better content, more and more subscribers come in. I, yes, I do spend more, but eventually it reaches a point where my increase in cost of content amortized across a increase audience size becomes negligible right so and that is what I'm seeing now with Netflix right? so I'm like oh, yeah, I should have bought it earlier 
<laughs> but to be fair, okay, different people come in at different times. And now Netflix is trading at $180 billion uh, during the time of recording. So yeah, I think it's uh, becoming an interesting business to look at. Also, I would say there's a lot of concern about, oh, what if Disney comes into the game and blah, blah, blah. And you already see, right, Disney comes into the game and uh, Disney, as with every attempt to monetize their content so far in history, they have done decently well. So I think Disney Plus will continue to do well. But I don't think it's an NLB all. There'll probably be multiple subscription, which is why Roku is also an interesting business, which we talked about previously. But yes, uh, just for Netflix alone, I also see another interesting phenomenon with them. I actually watched my first Brazilian film on Netflix. It's called 3%. I don't know if you guys watch it. I'm not uh, promoting the film, but yeah. And it's a Brazilian film. The whole it's, it's not a, it's not like it's a series, okay, to be to be more exact. It's a series. The whole thing is in Brazilian. I just watch it because it's like dubbed and uh, it's very well dubbed and I could understand the whole discussion. I could understand the whole thing and I just watch it. And I'm sure a lot of people watch Squid Game and you're seeing this interesting phenomenon. In other words, it looks like Netflix is able to create blockbuster films or at least good films or good TV series without Hollywood. Okay, which is interesting because the cost of producing in Korea and in Brazil is definitely going to be way cheaper than in Hollywood. So if that is happening and if I am the executive producer in Netflix, right, I will be hunting down all these interesting new producers all over the world. Because it is showing that the audience that I've collected so far and the data that I've collected based on their consumption is helping me create content at more affordable places. Wow. So I will be very excited to see if Netflix can continue to increase their content spend globally uh, to try to push some of this content dollar to other countries so that they can create more interesting content but at the same time um, bring down their net content costs, right? So they are trying to pay down their debt which is very interesting and with them paying down their debt is going to bring them to a much better cash flow position, financial position, right? So I would say at today's price point with Netflix, hey, Interesting, uh, interesting to look at. I feel that they have solved one of the biggest problems that I had with them for a long time, which is content. Very expensive. Hollywood control everything. But hey, it looks like it's not the case anymore, right? They can work with other films. I don't know, with Jack Neal maybe. <laughs> wow. Very sensitive, huh? Jack Neal's recent movie. But yes, you get the idea, right? So Netflix uh, is something that I feel... I'm getting interested in, right? And I've already opened a small position in them as we develop. I feel their modes are strong and they are showing signs that they are able to offset some of these high costs and uh, potentially continue to grow their audience uh, as they grow vernacular content and all these other things that they're doing. Right? Of course, the whole gaming, la, all that, we'll not discuss here. Searching did a little bit more discussion, follow TFC Stock Kickup. And now for the third company, probably the most contentious one out there, and that is Peloton. Yes, Peloton. Max did a geek out with us. Much of marketing for all of them. But yes, Max did a geek out with us, Max Co. You should check out on TFC Stock Geek Out. I think he spent a great time and a great deal trying to explain this company for all of us. So he did a great job, and I was definitely oh, like pretty intrigued by it. Currently trading at $8 billion, right? It has come down a lot to a point where Nike is looking to acquire it. If I was Nike, I would acquire it. So that is amazing. Of course, 
um, given the recent problem with their supply chain is affecting their ability to grow I will not repeat all the things that people are talking about out there essentially they sell this kind of bikes with a subscription model right it's like you know those kind of apps that are trying to get you to exercise and all that but they have like a whole suite of content team trying to make it the most engaging and most exciting and yeah they make it very cheap for you to onboard to their subscription because yeah you know they, they make the subscription cheap they also make the onboarding cost cheap for the vehicle because you get installment over time blah 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 but also because of that, the supply chain is stalling their growth and also because the stock price come down now, it's going to be very hard for them to finance through equity and it's going to be very expensive for them to finance through debt. So they will be going through a lot of problems at least in the next year or so. And uh, like it or not, a lot of companies will die at this juncture, right? And there are a lot of companies in this space or in the peripheral space of sports, active wear and all these that have died as a result of all these problems, right? With the predecessors like Under Armour, GoPro, Fitbit, they all died, you know, in a situation like that, similar to where Peloton is. They were growing, very exciting, valuations were very high and then they formed some sort of supply chain problem, they couldn't continue to grow and they all came crashing and they never got back to where they were because, like I said, the share price come down it's very hard for them to finance through equity and it's very expensive for them to finance through debt so they struggle for growth after that but okay Peloton I think um, has a little bit of a different situation where I think it is a little bit closer to Roku's strategy so like I said right um, let's say we just talk about Fitbit and GoPro okay so Fitbit and GoPro are one of the few uh, failures like, of, of our time okay so, so very hyped up and they died they started out as doing very small wearables right or like small devices like GoPro everybody no more as a GoPro right small camera Fitbit is essentially the watch right so Garmin Fitbit they are one company now right so they sell these kind of watches and as with any companies that are entering the space tends to be that they found a small little part of the market that the big guys were not interested and they grew 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 eventually they became a terminal growth they need to to find new strategies and they struggle to break through from there. Roku was also in a similar situation but I think the beauty of Roku is they have innovated their product quite a few big rounds, right? So first it was a hardware then it became an operating system now it's a TV channel or at least they have their own channel their own content and now they're moving into the ads business so they've successfully moved into the higher, higher, higher margin business and it looks like they've grown an ecosystem. Which Fitbit and GoPro also try. They also try to move into the whole software operating system kind of business, but no, it didn't work, right? So the value proposition was not high enough, and uh, yeah, they, it it didn't work as a from even from a consumer. I own GoPros. I think the software sucks. <laughs> so the operating software is not the UI is not great. It's the the value proposition is not strong. But Peloton looks like there is a chance that it can move into this higher value business with the subscribers, with the content business, with the advertising business and its ability to keep selling more things to the same audience. That is what I want to see. Of course, uh, they did some apparel move, like, trying to sell Peloton apparel. I said, wow, it's like... Whoever that came up with this idea should just go and perish. <laughs> Why you want to compete in this space with Lululemon, with Under Armour, with Nike, Adidas? It's, don't lah, don't lah, don't. Okay? But I, I want to see them be able to shift into uh, this growth of their subscription business, even premium subscription. Or show me something in the advertisement space. Show me some of these um, 
increased distribution that they can provide for all these other people rather than just doing their own content can they provide the operating system for other content creators to come in right other fitness content creators to come in into their ecosystem so of course this is a little bit of a, either you do the whole walk garden strategy like apple or you want to do the the mass strategy like android right where you can sync with everybody and you become a bigger platform either way both strategies show that they work um, i will say for me, it's not about which strategy you take. It's really about whether you can successfully move into a higher margin business. And that is where I think Peloton is at, at this point in time. Uh, why am I getting increasingly interested in that? Of course, number one, is cheap. $8 billion to buy a company that you know has so many users. 5.9 million Peloton subscribers. Uh, if they all sweat on you, you drown. Huh? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so they have a lot of users. And there's some sort of cult following around it. I think Max did a better description around it. So with that, I want to see that sticky customer. I want to see them move into a higher margin business. And whether can they do it or not, that is the question mark. But at today's price point, given their you know, issue, their situation, I am eyes wide open to see how is it going to happen. But like it or not, uh, it is at a price point where some of these big boys are looking at acquiring them. Right? So if Nike buys them out, then too bad. Nike buys them out. You can own Nike now. <laughs> but yes, I never understood how people would you know, spend so much time in front of a cycling machine and spend so much money on it. But it's proven that people are doing it. There are a lot of subscribers. They're very sticky. They love it. Of course, recently the review is not so great, but mostly because of after-service support and the supply chain problems. Uh, and at today's price point, I think it is a worthy experimentation or worthy to explore, which is why I think I'm getting increasingly interested. But this is probably uh, the least interested one uh, that I have. But I, I'm observing, I'm observing to see if they can kind of go through this process because um, a lot of their predecessors failed. So yes, um, as with any other companies, as you explore, as you see, you will learn more about it. You see how the management execute and you start to see parallels with other companies that are out there. And sometimes you start with not liking this business, but don't be afraid to take a change, right? Don't be afraid to say like, mm, you know, maybe it's not too bad now. Or maybe you start loving the business, but after that, they decide to go meta and you'll be like, mm, I don't really like it anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, huh? So yes, um, what is important is know what you are buying. What is your investment strategy? What are you looking out for? And don't look in isolation. Uh. Try to look at the whole market rather than the individual company. So yes, these are the three companies that I hated for a long period of time or at least an extended period of time uh, as I first saw them. But now I'm getting interested because they're getting cheaper. It looks like they're solving some of the problems or it looks like the problems are not that difficult to solve relative to where they are. So yes, these are the three companies, Grab, Netflix, Peloton. I will keep looking at other companies as the market becomes cheaper and cheaper. Uh, just a word of caution. Nobody knows how long is this route going to be. Don't rush to buy anything. Make sure it fits your investment palette. Make sure you know what you are doing. Right? At least have a clear head. Lah. Don't rush to it. Okay, Chill. There will always be good times to enter the market. Um, as I've said before, please go and look at the earlier episodes about investor mindset. You learn investing not to keep attacking, it's to increase your probability when you make your move. With that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group 
Call us on our social Sign up our weekly newsletter We are doing a weekly newsletter rebooked We are going to have a lot of information Within the newsletter Everything is in the description below And if you love us And want to help us grow Definitely share the podcast With your friends And on your socials Also if you have any interesting thoughts You want to share Or you know someone That we would like to hear from Reach out to us Through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com With that Have a great day ahead Stay tuned next week And always remember Personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so enough stock content. Three episodes back to back. Next week is the last one. <laughs> Next week we're going to talk about read yields, right? Actually, it's very it's a very simple episode that I wanted to put forth because uh, Ernie asked me, one of our producer Ernie, he asked me like, "Hey, why are uh, the read now uh, the yield so high? Uh? and it's like what double like high double digit or even like hundred percent?" I was like. Yeah, you know, um, there's a more complicated read to this thing. It's not just reading the yield. So I'm going to share with you how some of these companies engineer their yield and how you should look at read yields in general. And hopefully it gives you a bit more clarity as to what a lot of these companies are doing. I definitely did an earlier episode around reads, how to up your read game. And I talk about capital recycling and some of those things. I think you should go and check out that episode also. Yeah, with that, I'll leave you to it. And after next week's episode, we're going to take a break from investing. I have some other thoughts around personal finance that I've collected over time and I want to share them with you. So yes, I hope you're off to a good start. Like I said again, uh, don't kanchong, don't rush. The market may continue to route, very likely actually. And we will find better and better opportunities to enter the space. Take care.